Input from others is a great way to grow as a person. I'm your host, Emily Morgan, and in this episode of The Grand Life, I had a chance to talk with another grandmother who has her own podcast called Adventures with Grammy. I'm finding, as I have entered my 10th year of grandparenting now, that one of the best ways for me to continue evolving as one is to ask other people what they're doing. And since it's harder in this extended pandemic to actually sit and have coffee with another person, I sat down with our guest, Carolyn Berry, over Zoom and asked her what she's up to these days. Grandmother, genealogy enthusiast, author, podcaster, Carolyn Berry described her podcast as one for grandparents who are on the go with their grandchildren and for grandparents who want a loving relationship with their children and their grandchildren. So before we start talking about your podcast, tell us a little bit about the books you write for your grandchildren. I kind of want to talk about that first. How's that? That's fine. Uh, The books, I consider them legacy books. I do not have a lot of money. So leaving my grandkids any kind of a financial bequest is almost certainly out of the picture unless I hit the Powerball or, you know, Mega Million. (laughs) But I know from my own grandparents, what I appreciate the most are the memories I have with them. I do have some tangible things like a desk and a couple of rocking chairs and, you know, things, Mm -hmm. a christening gown. But the most important things are the memories that I had with them. And they were all good memories. And I want that for my grandchildren. And so the things that I do, the adventures we take, you know, I've said to the kids, you know, we're going on an adventure. And the kids have said back to me, they love going on adventures with me. And the adventures are not always grandiose. Sometimes they're walking around the neighborhood looking for certain leaves or just looking at Christmas lights or Halloween decorations. Mm -hmm. Every year I write the children a book for Christmas. I just feel that kids get too many toys And I know that my sons give their kids a lot of presents and their in-laws give the kids a lot of presents. So anything that I could afford to give them would be lost in the fray. But the one thing that I can give that the others cannot give is a book that I've written. And I feel God bless me with this talent of writing Mm -hmm. and I want to share it. And that's a memory that I'm leaving for the kids. So a couple of years ago, I wrote this book, Adventures with Mama Berry, Places We're Going to Go on the East Coast or Adventures on the East Coast. I don't remember the exact title, but Uh people, it was a list of 21 adventures that I wanted to enjoy with the children before they turned 16. Well, different family members and friends of my children saw the book and said, oh, we want a copy of this. You should write this for everybody. So about three years ago, I started writing that book. And I mean, it's taken me a long time because it's a lot of research. I am very concerned about cost. So I'm looking for low-cost, budget-friendly road trip adventures that I can take with my grandkids that won't cost a whole lot of money. And other grandparents can enjoy with their grandchildren and not break the bank. Hey, let me ask you, why, why did you choose the East Coast? 
Because we live on the East Coast and when my children were little, their dad and I took them on adventures on the East Coast because we couldn't afford to travel a lot. Mm -hmm. So that was the first book. And then as I've thought about writing this for the general public, my vision has expanded and I want to cover the entire United States. Oh, fun. So the book I'm writing is for the entire United States, not just the East Coast. That's the one book I'm writing. And then this past Christmas, the book I was writing started out as stories about their late grandfather. They've never known him. They, he died way before the grandchildren were born. And the eight and nine-year-olds are asking me about him. They want to know stories about their grandfather. So I decided that I would write this year's book would be stories about Grandpa Barry. And that kind of morphed into more of a genealogy focus about a lot of different relatives. And so then it became my family tree with a little bit of information about how to research ancestors and how to interview living relatives and how to encourage relatives to contribute stories to their books. So that's what I did. And then I decided, well, I might as well make this one available for the public as well. So I have it as a PDF that can be downloaded from um, a couple of sites that when you log onto my website, you can see where you can download it, like Etsy and Payhip. And what I did for the kids was put them in binders. And what's neat about it is as people write stories, you just add it to the binder as opposed to it being a bound book where the pages are limited. Oh, yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have so many stories about my grandparents and about my late husband and about me. And all of that is, I mean, that each of them would take up a whole book. So with the binders, I can just add pages to the binders. And when that binder is filled, we just get another binder and add to it. Carolyn, you must be a very observant person. One of the things I did in my first few uh, seasons was ask people about memories they had of their grandparents. And a lot of people would say they didn't have any memories. Like they, It was surprising to me how many people just don't remember. It's not like they didn't have experiences with their grandparents. They just don't remember them. I am very fortunate in that I do remember them. And I also have a lot of cousins. And so I have a lot of memories of playing with my cousins, of being with my cousins at my grandparents' homes. And, you know, I had a, I had a pretty good childhood. I I can't complain. I don't come from money. I don't come from a rich family, but it was just all the family gatherings and just playing with my cousins and being with my grandparents. It's, you know, again, that's why I feel so important about passing along those kinds of memories to my grandchildren. And really, those are priceless memories. I mean, those are things that that will mean so much more to them than the latest Lego building set. So, you know, (laughs) I mean, that seems important to children when they're in the moment, the, the things that they get at Christmas, but I think they forget all that. 
I only remember one thing my grandparents got me. It was an Etch-A-Sketch because I loved it so much. But <laughs> I think I don't remember anything else. <laughs> so On my dad's side, there are eight of us who are what I consider older cousins. And then there's a big gap. And then there are six younger cousins. And every Easter and every Christmas, we got the exact same thing. So we always knew <laughs> what we would be getting for Christmas. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Avon had these mitts with powder in them. Mm-hmm. So every Christmas, we the girls would get a mitt with powder and the boys would get some kind of, you know, boy cologne kind of thing. Oh, that's so and funny. Then for Easter, we would get an egg that tasted horrible <laughs> <laughs> with our name written on it. And I know my grandmother thought a lot of that. She was so proud of it. But all of the the eight of us would then look at all of these wonderful things that these little kids got and like, why can't we get toys? <laughs> why do we have to get eggs? <laughs> oh, that's funny. And and kind of a bonding experience now, right? You could talk about that. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, tell me a little bit about um, what you do when your grandchildren get a little older. Like if they if those books are going to be now you said there you can add things to them. So will there be a teen version? Actually, I've written a teen version, and it's really just if you're starting out as a teenager, this is the book. If you're starting out young, like my grandkids, then the family tree is the book. But the teen version is called My Life in Pictures. And I try to explain that I know you're into technology. I know writing paper and pencil sounds like the dark ages, but trust me, one day you're going to appreciate this because unfortunately, it's not a matter of if technology crashes. It's only a matter of when it crashes. So have a paper and pencil (laughs) backup and you will thank me later. Oh, that's so funny. You know, I I have these little moleskin books that I write to my grandchildren in, and I write it in cursive because I couldn't imagine printing everything that I want to write to them. And I think to myself, you know, it it might not be a matter of if, it might be when, where they won't be able to read it. (laughs) They'll have to hand it to somebody and say, I don't know what that says because that's cursive and I never learned it. Now, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. So the books thing is invaluable, but also you have this legacy that you're providing through a podcast, which I think about when I do podcasting as well. So how did it come to be and where are you going with it? What are you wanting to accomplish? I have been listening to podcasts for years. I just thought the medium was wonderful. I am not a TV fan. Like when I go down, when I drive, for instance, Again, living in a rural area, Uh radio reception is the pits. And so what I have found is that if I can find the NPR stations and listen to podcasts, that was a good thing. Well, then now that I have a cell phone, it is easy to just pop on the podcast and listen to it as I drive. So I decided after listening to this one author who I greatly admire and respect that if she could do it, I could do it. (laughs) So I wrote to her and I said, I'm sure you get lots of requests about this, but would you be willing to share some information? Could you help me decide if this is what I want to do? And she was quite gracious and wrote back to me 
and gave me some advice. And she'd actually written a book, a bunch of podcasts, but I didn't see that on her website. And I decided that I was going to do this. And I knew that if I wanted to get a traditional publishing contract, that I would need a platform. And one of the ways of building a platform would be to have a podcast. Well, that was my initial reason for starting the podcast. Mm -hmm. But as with so many things that I have experienced and learned over my life, our original intent often changes to be something else. Mm -hmm. And the more that I have met other grandparents, met children's authors, and people who have expertise in grandparent issues and children's issues, the more I've come to embrace that I really want to help grandparents. And the reason I continue to do this is that I want grandparents, I want to help grandparents connect with their grandkids. Yep. And that is, that is what keeps me going. And I am a former teacher. Literacy has always been important to me. And as a, I want to say new author, because I don't have any traditionally published books in my former life before teaching even, I wrote a couple of corporate histories and I published a couple of books. Well, I didn't publish them. I wrote a couple of books that were, I ghost wrote the books. Uh So I have experience writing. And as an author now trying to get a traditional publishing contract or deciding if I'm going to self-publish books, I know how hard it is for new authors And so helping new authors, especially children's authors, has also become a mission for me. Hmm. So I continue to do that all in the name of helping grandparents connect with their grandchildren, whether it's a cool book to buy for a a picture book or a chapter book or a young adult book or even a, a book that parents and grandparents can read to learn more about how to be a better grandparent, how to be more involved with their children and grandchildren. So that's my mission. And my goal is to become better at it. <laughs> that, you know, it's there's so much to learn. There really is. And so just for the, our listeners, your podcast name is Adventures with Grammy. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Adventures with Grammy. And we will have that in our show notes so people can um, access that if they need to. And you've got uh, other things that you're thinking of doing. um, Like, uh, do you have a blog? That is one of my goals for this year is to start a blog. I had started it a long time ago and then stopped it when I started writing. And then now I want to start it again as a supplement to the podcast. You were talking about children's books, especially Um, on your podcast. You often interview people who have written books. Is that correct? Yes. I'm kind of interested in uh, starting the new year off asking each guest what their favorite children's books are. And um, I thought, well, you'll be a perfect person to ask that of because you've been talking to authors and you also have an interest in that. I have met so many incredible authors, and what I'm finding is that the authors who are the most prolific writers are writing about their family adventures, their family events, Mm -hmm. just everyday occurrences, and they turn these events into 
stories. And so there's this wealth of information that their writing career won't dry up because there's so many things that our grandkids do or our children do that are so funny and so poignant that there's this wealth of material. And it's nice to see the different takes on the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the biggest advice most writers will give you is write what you know. So these stories, these family stories, the things that that come from within, those are things that they know about. And so it's uh, it comes off authentically and it, it is deep inside of them. And so I feel like that's probably what makes a really good children's book is something that you, you know, you understand from from a very authentic place in your heart. So that's great. Hey, do you have any favorite children's books you could recommend for us? I mean, I know you probably have a million, but can you pick maybe like, a, <laughs> you know, a preschool book and then maybe a chapter book, and uh, maybe a young adult fiction if you can? Am I putting you on the spot? No, you're not. Ever since I was a young mother and I would be invited to baby showers or for, you know, a a child's first birthday, I always gave the book Pat the Bunny. Oh, I love Pat the Bunny. I just, (laughs) I love that book. It is so fun. And, you know, the little bunny tail sticking through the the front of the book. And Mm -hmm. I want the babies to have something to touch and to feel good. So that is just like the the standard gift I give to all all new babies is Pat the Bunny. Have you seen it now? It, they make it in a larger size. Like it, Pat the Bunny was always kind of a small book, you know, that, small that book. light yeah. pinky peach color with the aqua binding. But now they, they've actually made it into, I don't know if it's an actual board book, but it's actually much sturdier so that it doesn't fall apart because you know how that is. I mean, you can only, you can only Pat a father's face so many times with the, with the beard <laughs> right. before it all just wears off. So I'm thinking, you know, it's a much loved book, but this these are a, this one's a little sturdier. I thought. Have you seen that? No, I actually haven't seen that book. Yeah, yeah. But I also like where the wild things are and the mm. Doctor Seuss books. Mm-hmm. You know, these these are books that I think are just classic books that you can't go wrong having it in your library. I read. Every Nancy Drew book. I mean, every Nancy Drew book I read. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I had a friend who had a, a whole library of them in her uh, house. I remember going to her bedroom and looking at all of those. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about my Nancy Drew book collection. One Christmas, my aunt and uncle came down and they gave me this rather large box and it was heavy. And I made the comment, what do you have in here? Bricks? And my aunt said, yes, as a matter of fact, there is. And so I opened the box and in it are three Nancy Drew books and two bookends. And what she had done is taken red bricks and covered them in fabric and made me bookends. And I was only about eight or nine years old. But that is a story that every single time I think about my Aunt Betty, I think about that story because it was just, it was just price, priceless. I mean, it was just, she knew that I loved to read. She knew I loved those books. And it was just funny, you know, like, That's are there so bricks sweet. in here? That's so, <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> I hear your, I hear your little uh, buddy there. I can hear him once in a while. Is it a girl or boy, puppy, dog? <laughs> well, actually, the second one has joined me now. I have oh, two yeah? dogs. Checkers is a Llewellyn setter and Tina is a terrier mix. We rescued both of these dogs. They had been 
found on the side of the road and taken to the pound. And we, we got them about 10 years ago. Oh, wow. So they're really oh, sweet Oh, that's dogs. so sweet. So you're a little co-host. That's great. Yes. <laughs> I, I love your story about Nancy Drew. And, you know, it's funny. For the longest time, I thought that Go Dog Go was written by Dr. Seuss. But that's actually one of my favorite books to read out loud to my grandkids, Go Dog Go. It's P.D. Eastman. Um, but I, I still am a little puzzled by the part in there where the, the female dog says, do you like my hat? And then he says, no, I do not like your hat. And it just kind of goes through the whole story until the very end. And finally, he's like, I do like your hat. I love your hat kind of thing. And I just think it's so funny. I've never really understood why it was in there. But the kids get a kick out of it. And I think it's really fun to read out loud. I think that's part of what a good children's book is. It's not just that it appeals to a child, but it appeals to the reader of the book so that you can kind of like have fun with it when you read. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of how like where the wild things are. Where the wild things are is just so fun to read out loud. Yes, it is. And that's one of the things I like about the Dr. Seuss books is that mm -hmm. there's a lot of alliteration. There's a lot of rhyming and in teaching children to read and to be able to distinguish sounds alliteration and rhyme is incredibly important. That's one of the reasons I like those books. Well, thank you so much for those recommendations. For anybody who's listening, we will put those on our show notes as well. And um, hopefully I will just keep track of what people are saying and make a big thing of it. And next year, you know, you would have a whole list of favorite books from our podcast guests. And thanks for joining us today. It's always fun to hear from other podcasters. And we're really a small group of people who are speaking to grandparents. And so I always appreciate new perspectives on what is, you know, one of the most important relationships we can have, the one between us and our grandchildren. So thanks so much for joining us. I loved hearing from you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck on your podcast. I am always amazed at how much energy my guests put into being wonderful grandparents. Sometimes I'm even a little intimidated, but if you remember my Begin With Yes guest, Paul Boynton, from earlier this season, he reminds us all to begin with small steps, even just one small step, then see where it takes us. I heard from a listener this week, Gretchen Blackwell, who wrote, I wanted to say I love your podcast. It gives me so many ideas, and you talk about the hard stuff, too. My husband and I are in our second marriage, going on 15 years, very happy in love. We have seven children between us. He has four, I have three, no children together. With eight grandchildren, one is 11, and three two-year-olds, and four babies six months and younger. She mentioned that she wanted to find something for the 11-year-old girl that she could do with her. She recommends a book she found on Amazon called 131 Conversations That Engage Kids by Jed Jershenko. Gretchen says, I ask her five questions when I see her and love hearing her answers. I'm going to do this with all the grandkids. Fun seeing through their eyes and mouths of how they view things. Thanks so much for that suggestion, Gretchen. I'm going to have to give that book a look. And for all of you, we will provide a link to the book in our show notes. See? This is the kind of thing I love about this podcast. We are all in this together, and we need the support and encouragement of one another as we journey through this grandparenting maze. None of us is perfect. We all fail. 
We all get tired. We all take a wrong turn once in a while. But if you're listening to The Grand Life, I'm assuming you want to be a more intentional and more loving grandparent. Be on the lookout for our first ever upcoming live event where we are joined by chef and grandfather John Gifaldi. John hosts an internet cooking show with his sister, Two Chefs in the Kitchen, and he's doing a special edition for The Grand Life on cooking with your grandkids. That's February 5th at noon Eastern time, so watch our social media for how to connect. I'm Emily Morgan. Please share this podcast with others, and thanks for joining me in Living the Grand Life.